Good morning, guys. How you doing? We oh, are you okay? Oh my goodness, everybody, are you okay? All right, good, good. Um, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. If this is your first time joining us for worship, we're so glad you're here with us this morning. I'm really excited about our prayer ministry dwell coming up. As Amy shared, everyone's invited to that. We want to be a praying church, a praying people. Uh, the Lord said that his house is going to be a house of prayer. So we want to be a people of prayer. So we're really excited about the launch of Dwell. Invite you to that. Um, how many people were here last weekend at our baptism service? Any? All right. Awesome. It was off the charts, man. It was amazing. We baptized 10 people last weekend. Uh, just the service from beginning to end was a special time of worship. If you missed it, I just want to invite you to go check it out online so you can participate along and watch your brothers and sisters being baptized uh, into the church. We're just so excited for that. Uh, just a powerful time of worship last weekend. We also started a new s sermon series called GPS. Now, who here uses their GPS on their iPhone or whatever? You just type in an address, you go somewhere. I'm going to date myself a little bit. I remember being a kid in my parents' blue Volkswagen bus. We would go on vacation and my dad would have this huge map. I mean, uh, for kids out there uh, younger than 30, um, it's paper. It's actually paper that has directions on it like real paper, um, and it has a, a map with uh, roads on it. It looks like your iPhone with Siri maps, but it's actually paper. But anyways, so uh, growing up, my dad would get this huge map out, and he would map our route, and he would look at, you know, the miles and distances and everything, and how often we would have to stop for gas. And he would, he would plan it all out, and one of us kids or mom would be, you know, his, his co-pilot as we were going along. It was just a great time. But GPS is awesome. And as we're going through this sermon series, really what we're going to see is Jesus giving really clear direction and guidance to not only his disciples, but anyone who was listening to him as he was teaching and guiding them, even the scribes and the Pharisees, as he would communicate truth and even communicate the future, prophesy the future. He is guiding and providing, and he is declaring he is the Savior, Messiah, Jesus, our King of kings and Lord of lords. So if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 9. Oh man, what a great, great account we have in Christ's life today. And this powerful Messiah, God, Jesus, God in the flesh, casting out a demon and the challenge he has to the disciples. Just real powerful truth here for us today as well. Let's pray before we read God's word together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus that he left heaven, came to earth, put on flesh, lived a perfect life. And 33 years into that life, he was murdered by his creation for the sins of the world, for our sins, for my sins. And Father, we confess that today Jesus is Lord and King of Kings, Savior God. We worship you today, Father. May your word come alive in our hearts as your Holy Spirit illuminates the truth that you have for us today. That we would walk out of here different than we walked in because we have met with our creator. We have surrendered to you, Jesus, over and over, day by day. As your mercies are new every morning, God, our surrender to you, we declare new every morning. And we thank you, Jesus. 
In your name we pray. Amen. God's word for us today here in Mark 9, starting in verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him. Notice the disciples didn't answer him. Probably a little bit embarrassed about what has happened. Let's just kind of paint the picture here of what's happening. If you weren't here with us last week, we talked about the transfiguration. Let's try and say that together. Transfiguration. All right, big church word. This is Jesus. He is levitating off the earth in the glory of God shining through him to his disciples, three of them, Peter, James, and John. It's this transfiguration, this powerful, uh, amazing, supernatural, miraculous, uh, oh, just prophetic proclamation that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, you have the Father's voice coming from heaven and, and saying, this is my son, listen to him. And you have just this amazing glowing light to where you can't even see Jesus' face and his, even his clothes were so bright and shining white that they said that no one could even bleach them that white. There was this glowing white. So we have this amazing transfiguration last weekend. And, and here is the continuation of the story as Jesus and Peter, James, and John come down off of the mountain and they're walking down the mountain into the valley. They see this huge argument happening. And Jesus is like, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd actually answers and says, he says, teacher, I, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, the first thing I, I kind of want us to try and wrap our minds around in this amazing account in the life of Jesus is that from the highest mountaintop to the lowest valley, Jesus is Lord. Capital L, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Imagine this scene, Peter, James, and John seeing Jesus transfigured before them, the glory of God, the voice of God, Jesus talking with Elijah and Moses there on the mountaintop. You talk about the mountaintop experience. This is the mountaintop experience of all mountaintop experiences. They come down from this mountaintop and walk into a scene of the scribes and disciples arguing. Now you talk about a rude awakening, a back to reality moment. Look at the contrast in these two accounts in the life of Jesus. You have the transfiguration on one side and this story we're reading, this account today of the healing of the boy. You're on the mountaintop in the transfiguration. We're here in the valley where we're going to see this boy healed. Transfiguration, the kingdom of God is on display in the person of Jesus Christ. And here in this possessed boy, the kingdom of Satan on display. And then the transfiguration, the sun is radiantly glorified and here, the healing of the boy, a son is terribly demonized. And then on the transfiguration, a father is honored in his son, Jesus. And here, the healing of the boy, a father is horrified by his son. And he says, this father says, I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. 
Jesus says, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. This isn't some emotional reaction or frustration or condemnation. Jesus knew that these very disciples would be the ones to change the world forever. He knew they would join him in his death and eventually all be martyred. This is a compassionate call to them to believe, to step into faith deeper and deeper, closer and closer with the Messiah, with him, Jesus. He knows. Jesus knows that Peter will deny him soon. They all but one will abandon him. He knows that they don't fully grasp his divinity and power, but he also knows what they will do. He knows the plans that he has set before them, the churches they will plant, the kings they will challenge, the people they will convince with the gospel. Jesus knows these men will be world changers. And he compassionately calls them to faith deeper and deeper. He calls them to belief. And hear the compassionate call of Jesus today. O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. He knows how long. It's a rhetorical question. He knows how long. He knows the failures and the weaknesses. He knows our failures and weaknesses. He knows what we are hiding. He knows the skeletons in our closets. He knows what we think and do. But he knows the plans that he has set before us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, that we would know Christ, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. In Jesus, things in heaven and on earth. In him, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire it, acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. God's word in Ephesians. On the highest mountaintop, on the lowest valley, in this life, the things that we face and the things that we see can be so overwhelming. 
I, I try not to even watch the news. Avoiding it as, as much as possible. You see the things going on, not just in our neighborhoods, but in our world. And it, beca- it just it can be overwhelming. The sense of lostness and brokenness and horrendous sin, disgusting and gross, all around us, encroaching every part and area of our lives. And it just weighs us down and weighs us down. And we think to ourselves, we can come to that point where we're just like, Jesus, where are you? God, how much, how much longer, how long will you bear? How long will you wait, God? He knows. He knows. Every moment, every second, every depraved act, every failure, every weakness, every sinful thought, that each of us has, every, every broken part of our world and societies around our world and countries and leaders of, of all countries, Jesus knows. As we read in Ephesians, he has set good things aside for you to do for us. He's predestined us. He's chosen us before time began. This isn't some question he's asking, oh, how long? Oh, no. I don't know. Yes, it's just uh, roll the dice and see what happens. No, Jesus knows. God knows. He exists outside of time, knows the beginning from the end, and every little microcosm in between. God knows. And we don't. But he knows. Read that, the, the words of Jesus in this, seeing this argument and the different things. And it's, it's easy for me to read that in my flesh. Do you ever do that? You, you're, you're reading, it's God's word. It's different than the normal books. This isn't a C.S. Lewis book. This isn't, you know, some other book. This is, this is God speaking and his son, Jesus Christ. And I, I come down from this, you know, I would come down from this transfiguration, this mountaintop experience down into this valley, which is a valley experience here right now. And, and I would say Jesus' words, I'm like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you people? Can't you get it right? Can't you? Oh, you faithless, weak, pathetic generation. Hmm. That's, that's not how Jesus works. See, we don't, we don't know the future. We don't see those things. And when we, when we come up against it, you know what I'm talking about? The stuff, the stuff in our lives, the weaknesses, the failures, the struggles. When we come up against the stuff, like the stuff in our world, you know, with our governments and, and wars and all these terrible things, we come up against those things. We come in, into that friction of divine divinity, God, and humanity and weakness. And it's just a struggle. It's a difficulty. And we're going to see that as we're going through the sermon series. We've already seen it, this, this call into faith, into belief, into knowing that God is God, that Jesus is God, that he's going to do what he wants to do in spite of us. That's how big he is. He's going to do what he wants to do because he is God. 
Jesus is calling us to be a faith-filled generation that knows he is God, he is in control, and we're gonna do whatever he asks. No questions asked. We are running after the king, that our lives would be poured out, nothing left for Jesus. Amen? He's calling us into faith. Let's look at this next part of this account, starting in verse 20. And they brought the boy to him. And when the Spirit saw him, now we see this all the time in Scripture, when demons see Jesus, they just freak out because they know the the law is here. The man is here, and he's about to lay it down. Immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground, rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and has often cast him into the fire, into the water, to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. The second thing we see here in the second filling of notes is this. With Jesus, all things are possible. I mean, this boy had this spirit in him his entire life. Uh, this is his father, this desperate father, brings the boy to the disciples. Can you help me? And now think about this. God had, or Jesus had given authority to the disciples over spirits. Remember that? Just a few chapters back. And so these, these disciples had gone out casting out demons and healing the sick. And so they had had this kind of delegated authority. And so this, this father had probably seen that. And he's like, oh my gosh, I have to bring my son to these guys. And he brings them and they fail miserably. I mean miserably. And these scribes, you think about the, the scene here. The scribes, the Sadducees, Pharisees, these religious leaders, Jewish religious leaders of the times were always following Jesus and the disciples around, trying to to trip Jesus up with his words and ask him trick questions and making fun of them and and just, just horrible times. And so when these disciples failed to cast out this demon, the scribes were right there, man, like, look at you. I could just hear it, you know, just heckling, like the worst of all heckling, you know, and con- condemnation coming from the scribes, just crazy, crazy stuff going on. I, I love what this father says. I believe, but help my unbelief. Wow. I have a hard time even reading that and not breaking down. The honesty of that statement? Ugh. I believe, but help my unbelief. He sees his son being tormented for years and years and years. His body being burned, almost drowned multiple times. He's mute, he's deaf. He is in a different reality than us. He's completely separated from human, deaf, mute, and just tormented his entire life. Father says, I believe, but help my unbelief. This honest confession 
and cry for help all in just a few words. I believe, but help my unbelief. In his deepest, darkest despair, this father has seen the disciples fail, seen the ridicule of the scribes, and watched his son writhe on the ground, foaming at the mouth. And when all seems lost, when it all seems like there's no hope to be had, he ran to Jesus. Man, is Jesus good or what? Jesus doesn't reject him for his unbelief. He heals his son. That's that's the heart of God. Right here, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. This is our God. This is Jesus. He doesn't look at the Father and say, Oh, you don't believe, huh? Help your unbelief? Please. Don't you know who I am? I've raised the dead, healed the sick. I was just levitating and glowing. And by the way, I brought Moses and Elijah back and we had a conversation. Don't you know who I am? The compassion, the patience, and the kindness of God on display. This is who calls us into relationship with him. Here in this account, we have three instances of faith. A lack of faith in the disciples. The birth of faith in this father. And the one who is the founder and perfecter of our faith in Jesus. Let me say that again if you want to write it down. Here's three accounts, three instances of faith. A lack of faith in the disciples. The birth of faith in the father. And the founder of and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Here's the thing that amazes me about the grace and mercy of Jesus. Every one of these people came to Jesus in need. And every one of them gets what they needed. Jesus gives them what they needed. The boy is set free, tormented for his entire life. He has been mute and deaf. He was an outcast in chains, separated from normal reality because of his spiritual reality. He was weak, hopeless, and condemned, but Jesus. That's a big but. But Jesus. Jesus steps in, and this boy doesn't say a word. He doesn't ask for help. He doesn't seek hope. He doesn't lift a finger. And Jesus sets him free. What a Savior we have. This father comes, hopeless, embarrassed, saddened by the state of his son. He's witnessed his son convulsing, throwing himself in fire, trying to drown himself. His son is scared and scarred and and viewed as disgusting by most, but his father loves him. You can hear the love that this father has for his son. This man is broken and undone. Years of torment witnessed firsthand by a father. But Jesus, Jesus has compassion. This father cry out, cries out to Jesus, and Jesus hears his plea. All of this torment turns into a testimony. The testimony that Jesus, the Messiah, can do anything. He is compassionate and kind and pours out mercy on the downtrodden. This father's greatest suffering has now turned to his greatest joy. A son set free. And then you have these disciples They've witnessed it all. 
They've seen Jesus feed thousands, heal hundreds, speak wisdom beyond man's understanding. They've been given the authority over spirits, and they still fail and forget. But Jesus. Jesus sees this weakness in their failures and forgetfulness and calls them deeper. He calls them closer, and he beckons them to a life poured out for him, and he makes them world changers. And this same Jesus is calling you today. We, we read these account, accounts in the life of Christ and we think of some distant past, of some Star Wars scene or some Lord of the Rings scene or some historical account of years, decades, centuries past. But I want you to know today that Jesus is alive and Jesus is calling you into this faith based this faith-filled relationship with him right now. Jesus is the Son of God. He left heaven for you and me, came down to earth, put on flesh, lived 33 years, and for three of those years, he went around performing miracles, calling the disciples to follow him, and changed our world forever changed the entire world forever. And he says, come to me. If you're struggling, if you've, if you've given in to your sin and you've fallen to your face and all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are in desperate need of a Savior. And Jesus is calling every single one of us into relationship with him. This is the Jesus we're talking about. He is alive today. And he's coming, like Randy said, as communion is us waiting, awaiting his second coming. He's coming again one day. If you don't know him, he's calling you into relationship with him. What does that mean? Right? What does that mean? That means that we recognize our failures and sin before a holy and perfect creator God, that our creator created us to be in relationship with him, but sin has caused there to be a great chasm between us. And so he sent Jesus, his only son, to make a way. So you see, Jesus took all of our sin on the cross for us. He died the death that you and I deserve, but he rose on the third day, defeating death and sin for me and you. And now, all it takes is us to recognize our sinfulness and our brokenness and our desperate need for a Savior and to confess that need and that sinfulness before our holy and perfect God and then put our faith in Him. If you don't know Jesus, put your faith in Him. Turn from your sin today. Give it to Jesus. He took the penalty for our sin. Now, you may be here today and, and you're like, I have gave my life to Jesus 50 years ago. I've been walking with Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's been awesome. Well, these disciples knew Jesus too, real well. Lived life with them for like years, you know? Watched him perform miracles firsthand. I mean, like right here, you know? In fact, three of them just watched him be transfigured. And he's calling them deeper. 
So if you're here today and you've been in a relationship with Jesus for 50 years, I can guarantee you this. Jesus is calling you closer. Jesus is calling you deeper. And he's saying, step out in faith. Come to me. Because I'm not done with you yet. As long as we draw breath, God has a job for us to do. The question is, will we humble ourselves and take the step of faith? That leads us into our third point, which is this. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Pick it up in verse 28. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately. Notice it says privately. They didn't ask him out in front of the crowd or anything. You can, you can almost hear the embarrassment in their voices. Why could we not cast, out the de- cast it out, right? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And some versions, most actually most transcripts that we have of the old languages say without prayer and fasting, just if you're wondering. It does say that in some of the other um, Gospels. Jesus responds with a powerful and spiritual insight, and he says, this kind cannot come out by nothing but prayer. The phrase, this kind, what Jesus is talking about, refers to casting out demons or spiritual conflict. He's not saying some demon exorcisms require prayer, but others do not. He's saying that whenever we take the spiritual battlefield, if we go in our own strength, pride, and self-sufficiency, we've lost the battle before it begins. You see, faith bridges the gap between divine omnipotence or all-powerfulness and human weakness. And that faith is experienced and exercised through prayer. Okay, let me say that again because this is huge and powerful, right? Faith bridges the gap between divine omnipotence and human weakness, and that faith is experienced and exercised through prayer. Now, can you see why I'm so excited about our prayer ministry? This is a huge key to winning our spiritual battle, not just against our enemy, but winning the spiritual battle that's going in against our flesh, the spirit that wages war against our flesh and our sinfulness. Prayer is a key right here. Jesus lays it out. The disciples had come to a point where they thought they were doing it on their own authority. Remember, Jesus had given them authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, but it was a delegated authority. They were still fully and completely dependent on Jesus. But I think somehow they lost sight of that, and Jesus uses this to point it out to them. The disciples had come to this point. The problem only became a problem when things didn't go their way. We can tell from the text that things went very poorly for them because the scribes were harassing them and arguing with them. But the problem only becomes a problem when things don't go our way. What does that mean? We, this, this really what happens is, and it's happening with disciples here, is pride has crept in. Pride has crept in. They had authority to cast out demons. They had authority to heal the sick. But somehow they had lost connection to that authority because they had pride that had built up in their hearts. And this is really what Jesus is pointing out to them. And the the sneaky thing about pride is it blinds us to pride. So pride blinds us to our own blindness. You follow me with this? 
pride blinds us to our own blindness. So the only way for God to deal with pride in our hearts and in our lives is, is him, for him to supernaturally open our eyes to it. And a lot of times the way that he does that is he allows things not to go our way. He allows some kind of difficulty to come into our life. And sadly, a lot of the time, uh, he allows us to get what we want. Because pride just leads us down the wrong road. You see, God uses our difficulties and struggles to reveal deeper issues in our hearts. Sometimes God allows difficult things into our lives in order to reveal sinful things in our hearts or pride in our hearts. Not always, but sometimes. And here's what I can guarantee you. And here's what I know about pride. The question isn't, am I prideful? Because you're probably all out there thinking, wow, I wonder if I have pride in my life. That's not the question. The, the question is, where is pride rearing its ugly head in my life right now? Because we are all prideful. Pride is always active. It's always happening. It's, where is it rearing its ugly head right now? Where is, where is God? And here's the thing. It takes God to reveal that to us because we're blind to it. And sometimes God uses our brothers and sisters in Christ to come up to us and say, hey, hey, how's your, how's your prayer time going, buddy? You know, how's things going, right? It's really what Jesus says to the disciples, right? Well, prayer, you got to pray. You know, what's, what's going on? The question isn't, am I prideful? The question is, where am I being prideful right now? And I think that's a question I want us all to ask ourselves today. Where, where am I being prideful? Because we don't want to end up in the place the disciples are right now. Having failed doing what God had already empowered them to do, but failed to do because of their pride. And then the scribes came alongside of them, started making fun of them, and they're just in a world of hurt. We have to stay connected to the power source. We have to stay connected to Jesus. How do we do that? Through prayer. Going to him reading his word, praying his word. This lifestyle of prayer, like the Bible says, to pray without ceasing. It's talking about a constant communion where we're always in this conversation with our creator. We go about our day, not just going to work, but going to serve God at work, going to serve God when I come home, going to serve God as I go to bed, waking up to serve God the next day. God, what are you doing today? How would you have me live? What would you have me say? Having this going on 24-7, this is real relationship, and this is what God is calling us into. And I can, we can be honest, right? If the disciples lost sight of that when they're walking with Jesus in the flesh, we're going to lose sight of that as we're going about our day. I mean, it's just going to happen, and it's okay. Because we can, like the Father, say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Right? Jesus has compassion and kindness. And he's not going to say, oh, don't you know who I am? Haven't you seen what I've done? He's not going to condemn you. He's going to heal you. He's going to love you and care for you as only he can. These difficulties, and I, you know, I don't know what you're going through in your life. Hopefully it's great. It's rainbows and unicorns today, right? Somebody actually made me a mug and says, it says, today is a rainbows and unicorns day. So I have a coffee mug that says that. Maybe you're going through the tornadoes and pterodactyls time. It's in those times. Trust me, I've been there. Man, I've been in those times where I feel God is silent. I am separated. 
I'm condemned. I, the voice of the enemy is so loud. I feel like a failure. I've been there. And it's in those times where it's the most difficult to run to Jesus. We don't feel worthy. We don't feel like we could be accepted. We don't, it feels hopeless. It feels terrible. Maybe we feel like the father. Maybe we even feel like the boy. There's nothing left. It's in that moment, it's in those times that is most crucial that we run to Jesus. And the way that we do that is we actually believe what his word says about us. That's why I read Ephesians earlier. Read Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. Read that over and over again. He tells you who you are. He calls you into what he's called you to be, his predestining of you. But those hard times, they can cause us to do one of two things. Run from Jesus or run to Jesus. Run to Jesus today. He's our only hope, and he is the king of kings, and he's compassionate and kind, and he is always faithful, and there's nothing he can't do. Amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word today. God, we thank you that in the life of Jesus, we see your heart, your heart of compassion for us, your grace and mercy. And Lord, your word says that your mercies are new every morning. God, that you don't, you don't see our unbelief and condemn us, but you heal us. You meet us in our unbelief and, and you, you birth faith in us. You are the founder and perfecter of our faith. So God, I pray that you would come and perfect our faith, grow it, stretch it. And Father, I pray that we would be a people that step out in faith, that we would step out of our comfort zones and, and, and do the things that you've called us to do. Go on missions trips, to serve and outreach, to share the gospel. Maybe it's having that conversation with a loved one or having that conversation with a neighbor. But God, we would be salt and light to the earth. Come and use us. Use us up for your kingdom, O oh God. Come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.